Hello and welcome to I Am A Health Visitor. My name is Amy. And I'm Jenny. This week we're going to be talking about reflux, which is the common health visitor scenario. Indeed. All health visitors come across. Oh, indeed. All the time. Um, I found a really um, good definition of it on the um, GP Infant Feeding Network website. Uh, website I'm probably going to be frequently referring to this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, let's start with that. Um, but the... Definitions of, um, to give it a full name, yeah, gastroesophageal reflux or gore, um, is reverse flow of stomach contents into the esophagus, uh, which can then lead to regurgitation. And in most babies, it's absolutely a normal physiological process. Um, they have a lax um, sphincter in the stomach mm-hmm. at the bottom of the esophagus, and they have a non upright position. They're normally laid down and sort of in mum's arms or dad's arms, um, and they have completely fluid diet and so 40% of babies um do have these episodes of vomiting um and most are absolutely fine with it and continue to thrive um however for some it does become um, a problem problem. Mm. and um typically signs of this show before um, they turn eight weeks old it can peak at around four to six months old and for many improves by about 12 months old yeah um but it's something which we need to to be aware of it's a frequent thing that comes up yeah it is and i think it's good with the frequent things that come up to kind of review every now and again because you can get into patterns of doing yeah. the same thing i'm currently. realizing frequently coming up probably isn't the best uh, phrase but coming up. <laughs> Yum. oh dear <laughs> <Da-dum>. <laughs> We're here all week. Yeah. So. <laughs> I hope not. I've got to work tomorrow. <laughs> First of all, we were going to talk about what you would look for in in a family. So if someone comes into clinic, what would your assessment be yeah. to form part of your yeah. reflex so, assessment? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a common thing, which, I mean, having been doing a weekly clinic, I see at least sort of a case of per yeah. clinic. Um, so and the... so they would come in and often they would be um, concerned about the baby's feeding um it might be when we weigh the baby that they haven't put on as much weight as as we we're expecting mm. um or even if some they are putting that weight on um but the feeding is is an issue that mum wants mm. to talk about yeah often they're very uncomfortable around feeds and um vomiting obviously being the classic symptom um so in the breastfed baby then what what would be what you would want to talk about first so we've been wanting to to find out i, I quite often use the uh, say to parents well you know talk me through a typical day you know from when they 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 take it as their wake up time mm. what's happening the frequency of feeds duration of feeds um you know how are they during the feed i mean we're going to be um sort of doing another podcast about the the unicef breastfeeding assessment mm. but it's always worth revisiting that tool with families it's such a good um breakdown of of everything Mm. to cover with their feeding um often actually we find mums complaining of pain because yeah Mm. the feeding is so frequent that they really are kind of uncomfortable with it and because the babies are having the regurgitation their latch maybe isn't so great so they're actually sort of especially if they're feeling the milk coming back up they're slipping off the nipple and sort of actually chewing a bit and things Mm. sometimes um and just this complete unsettledness you know typically with babies they have a lovely feed they're lovely and sleepy and settled afterwards these guys are often sort of really unsettled and wanting to feed but at the same time having that horrible um mm. horrible kind of sensation 
at the same time and so often very broken feeding patterns very kind of disjointed mm. and leading to disjointed sleep for them and the parents mm. as well mm. um how about for for bottle fed babies what do you feel the the key things are so with I bottle fed babies yeah i think it's similar in, and different in a way obviously with formula you're able to know the volumes that they're being fed yeah. um and i think we'll talk about this but probably is quite a common uh, thing that happens is babies actually just having too much milk yeah the long and the short of it is they're just having too much milk and obviously formula for companies print on their boxes like how much milk the baby should be drinking at yeah. each age and as we know the interest of a formula company is to sell formula so they are going to put the biggest possible quantities um so we looked on the first step nutrition um guidance which is a fantastic the infant feeding infant oh, milk a simple guide i think love. it's called it's great great resource for, for people who want to look it up more um and they've put about less than two weeks they'd expect about seven to eight feeds of between 60 and 70 mils a feed on average between two and eight weeks it's between 75 and 105 mils um a feed so Obviously, they are guide, very much a guide. And I think one thing I would want to look at with any baby that was vomiting lots after feeds and seemed very uncomfortable during the feeds was um, responsive bottle feeding, kind of the frequency of the feeds. Are they having huge feeds and then long gaps in between? Um, what yeah. position are they being fed in? Are they lying flat on their back? Yeah. So there's a really fast flow of milk and they're just gobbling it down. Well, it seems or to be in a sitting more upright. Yeah. It, it's something that parents often aren't honest about. I mean, how many times are you walking around doing your shopping and things? You see babies being prop fed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so that's another thing that yeah. could potentially be contributing. And then, um, are, are we able to pace the feed a little bit more? You know, could we look at baby's feeding cues? And I think that's what I always try to emphasize. And just to reassure parents as well, like a lot of parents say, oh, my baby's not drinking enough because they're not having this quantity. But in reality, if your baby is, you're feeding them when they're hungry, they're feeding until they're full, and then at the end of the feed, they're fairly settled, then you then you you're not they're not malnourished no, you know they're no. getting enough milk so it's about looking at the baby really more than the numbers yeah. um so i suppose that would be my feeding assessment for the formula fed baby yeah. and i mean what action do we take if we think that they they do have reflux yeah so I mean, Obviously, first, you have to kind of rule out the, like, red flag stuff that you would worry about. And I think it's worth saying about those things because yeah. we see reflux so often, but you have to have this stuff in the yeah. back of your mind. It's, you? it's an interesting one, I mean, especially because of my A&E background. So yeah, exactly. I'm very familiar with having seen families with babies so in with these conditions yeah. and things. So. Yeah. So the, the kind of... First one that pops into mind for a baby that's projectile vomiting, especially in the early weeks, would be pyloric stenosis. Yeah. And when we say projectile vomiting, we're not just talking about, oh my word, they covered their toes. We literally, I mean, I saw children in A&E who could hit a wall from about six foot. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really very violent, very significant vomit. Um, and that would suggest that um, pyloric stenosis being the narrowing of the passage into the stomach. Yeah. Um, so it's quite difficult for for milk to pass through, and that's going to cause that projectile vomiting that you see. And then um, 
you could be wanting to watch out for interception as well. Yeah. So where or, or or any kind of bowel obstruction. Yeah. And so this is the one where we always about looking out for lumps and bumps in the bowel. Mm. Because interception the bowels actually telescope in on itself. Mm. And the other thing that you can get with severe interception, which I did see before, was um what we call blackcurrant jelly mm. and nappies mm. where they have a pinky bloody mm. but it's almost like jelly like mm. stool mm. and that's where the bowel is the bowel is literally trying to digest itself almost okay. and it is quite severe both of those are, are very severe sort of surgical emergencies yeah and needing very urgent care yeah. but have very good rates of recovery yeah. following surgery from that absolutely so that's just stuff to watch out for and i think with interception um or any i think bowel obstruction as well you would say with that um you'd be looking for bile or green stained vomit yes. um, yeah blood in the stool yeah. and these would be ones where we would be sending straight to a and e yeah you know, you're not going to send them with a little note to the gp yeah, or if you're suspecting pyloristenosis or uh, any kind of bowel obstruction that's an emergency yeah. And there's never going to be, if a parent turns up in an A&E department saying that they think their baby has one of these things, there, there's not going to be uh, any any shame in if it turns out it isn't. You yeah. know, the staff are more than happy, especially these really young babies we're often talking about. You know, they're not going to be sort of annoyed that the parents no. have come in. They would much rather see the babies get a clear idea of what's going on and be able to reassure the parents. Yeah. So if you're thinking about either of those things or any of these things, then that's something obviously to think of as an emergency. The other th- other things that could cause um, vomiting being a strangulated hernia. So that would be vomiting frequently, crying as if they're in a lot of pain. Again, yeah. should be treated as a medical, medical emergency. Funnily enough, my daughter did have... Uh, inguinal hernia at 10 weeks old yeah and yeah that did cause her pain and jip and luckily was very quickly resolved but Mm. yeah i can definitely relate to the uh the crying and upset with that more more likely in boys than girls okay (laughs) and the other thing too that could possibly be confused with reflux um that commonly is i think is a food allergy or a milk intolerance, yeah. lactose intolerance, something like that. Yeah. Um, so. Which will have its own podcast because definitely yes. deserves Ca- its own Cow's separate... milk protein allergy cannot be discussed in two minutes. No. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do a separate podcast on that. But just to kind of be aware of those things as the red flags, as well yeah. as the kind of things that it could be confused with when you're looking at reflux and when you're deciding what it is. Yeah. So should we talk about treatment now, yes. do you think? Yeah, so you had information from the uh, NICE guidelines, didn't you? Yeah, so in in brief, they said for breastfed babies, do a breastfeeding assessment first. This is NICE, the 2015 yeah. guidance. Um, and then they suggest alginate therapy, so something yeah. like a Gaviscon. And, I mean, for breastfed babies, that is so tricky, mm. really tricky. I, mean, I know we were talking earlier mm. about it, and... It, you, you didn't realize I it, didn't it really came realize as a powder. How hard this um, was! So yeah, so if ba- if parents and it's amazing because I suddenly realized actually possibly a lot of people don't realize. No. So when ba- when parents prescribe Gaviscon, um, they get a box of sachets of powder, mm. um, and they need to make these sachets up with, um, I think possibly a bit of boiled or cold water, but often it's recommended to give a bit of milk. So if they're formula fed, fine, they can just add it to you know, a teaspoon or so of the milk, give that bit at the beginning, then give the bottle. Um, with breastfed babies, 
you're looking at having to hand express or sort of to express some milk mm. to be able to mix it up to then give it to the baby to then get the feed established mm. um and the way it works is it's it's a seaweed it's an alginate um in the stomach it thickens the the liquid contents and stops regurgitation that way however it also means that they're de- the stomach's dealing with a much thicker fluid. Now, we know from formula companies advertising these comfort milks and hungrier baby formulas, um, thicker fluids take longer for the stomach to digest and can lead to constipation. So we sometimes end up where they're not vomiting anymore, but they're even more upset because they've got severe abdominal pain mm. and are very unsettled with mm. this. And I think there's possibly... Um, yeah, from my experience and my caseload is that the 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 parents' compliance with this treatment is probably quite low. Mm. Um, they they give it's it a fair easy. go, but it's really not easy to do, and it's not not straightforward at all to uh, to be um, sort of doing, and the pain yeah you know, babies having further pain mm. isn't something which parents are going to really see as a positive thing mm. and to continue trying. Mm. Um, obviously we sort of passed over but the initial thing would also be assessing that the breastfeeding technique and things mm. and double checking for things like tongue tie um, and any, if there's any issues with the lateral positioning as well because you can sometimes end up with babies taking on board more gas and things during yeah. a feed um, and that actually being the cause of the vomiting rather than um, anything mums with fast letdown and things as well yeah. can sometimes they end up mimicking the symptoms of reflux from the point of view of the vomiting and the being unsettled. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that would be kind of the treatment that's recommended for us per the NICE guidelines for yeah. the breastfed baby, um, which maybe doesn't really fully go into everything that we No, no, because, I mean, it's like and the further information was available on the NICE guidelines, funny, but from the, the GP infant feeding network, was to, to trial the alginate for one to two weeks, um, but then to try a four-week trial of an antacid, so ranitidine. Mm. So that works by yeah, neutralising the acid sense. rather than um, stopping it from coming up. So they may still have a bit of regurgitation, but they're much more comfortable, comfortable and settled with it. However, the key thing with that is to ensure that the um, baby is weighed frequently and that GPs need to be encouraged to give the higher end of the range doses of ranitidine to ensure that it is effective mm. and has a good chance to work um the the sort of dosage as the baby gets bigger and obviously at this sort of age when we're look, looking at a pre three month old baby the weight is going to be going up very quickly so at least if they've got a high end um dose of ranitidine it's going to cover be able them to cover longer. them for longer the other thing with formula-fed babies that you can do, obviously review the feeding history first, but then NICE guidance also recommends to reduce the feed volumes if they're excessive. So that's what we've already talked about. Quite often that can be resolved just at that stage. Yes, yeah. Um, and then the next thing would be to try smaller, more frequent feeds, which again I think is something yeah. that health visitors yeah. do suggest quite regularly. And I think it's that case of working with parents on their expectations. There mm. is this brilliant myth that travels round about um, bottle feeding being easier and it really isn't how they feed every three hours on the dot yeah and the whole making up the formula and making sure you got in and sterilizing (laughs) i mean people think breastfeeding mums are martyrs they're not they're just really lazy (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Um, the next thing on there, which is slightly controversial, is to trial a thickened th formula. And I think it should we should be really clear here that the NICE guidance is saying, try a thickened formula if the baby was originally formula fed. Yes. Because I think this can be misread to mean trial a thickened formula instead of breast milk because yeah. it will settle easier in the stomach which is absolutely not yeah. what NICE is recommending no. and obviously wouldn't help reflux and, I mean anyway. I, I think unfortunately if we were to look around our colleagues and ourselves even about where yeah. do we get information about reflux from it is often in those those adverts oh, that you yeah. read where you don't quite realize they're an advert at first um, and they are sponsored by formula companies. And of course, they've been very quick to pick up on this oh, nice completely. guidance and plaster it all over their advertising yeah, to say that formula, um, thickened formula is the way forward. Um, but I think, you know, what's really great about it is that lots of people do find it really helpful. Yeah. And those thickened formulas can be the answer for lots of for lots of parents and yeah. obviously if that's a solution that works for you then that's fantastic yeah. and as we've mentioned already about first steps nutrition i mean they are independent of any food and formula companies they have a huge amount of information on formula milk mm. and are really good for helping parents and professionals work out yeah. what the the best milk is and what the pros and cons are of different milks without the uh, the advertising shine yeah um, so then after you've done those things, so you've reduced the feed volumes if they're excessive, you've tried smaller, more frequent feeds, you've tried a thickened formula, none of that's worked, then they suggest trying an alginate like Gaviscon. Um, and then they say don't not to offer ranitidine or omiprazole if regurgitation is the only symptom, but that you can try it for four weeks if there's also an explained feeding difficulty, so things like refusing feeds, gagging, choking or if there was any distressed behaviour and crying, which I think there usually is. I was going to say, it's that funny thing where actually, yeah, you've read that a couple of times to me now, and it's only really now it yeah. in that, well, of course there's going to be those other symptoms going around, because if all that was happening was they were having a little posset, then the parent probably wouldn't even be mentioning it to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, yeah, we, we only get to hear about this typically from families at the point at which it is causing them distress, and yeah. it is a worry. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's that's... A fairly obvious thing to say, yeah. but it is in there. So, and I mean, obviously, we should add even for breastfed babies, if the ranitidine or whichever antacid they are prescribed isn't effective, then that next step again is omeprazole. Yes, um, but there does seem to be a lot of variation among GPs about who is happy to prescribe the omeprazole yeah. and which one to prescribe. Um, the one thing it says not to use is the domperidone um, or erythromycin. Um, without specialist advice because there isn't sufficient evidence to suggest that that's useful yeah so i think that's quite helpful to know because you do still see some babies on domperidone for reflux really blimey i was i have a, I, I seem to have a field of gps who are kind of a bit about the idea of omeprazole that alone going <laughs> on peridone <laughs> okay well so that's kind of a bit of an overview of what the guidance says and what things to watch out for um in general it's not totally um comprehensive obviously no, but it's something where we're hoping to come back to this topic mm. and obviously you know drop us a line contact us um if there is anything you would like us to talk about around reflux as well yeah. as we mentioned we'll be doing the uh, cmpa podcast soon um and 
yeah, I mean, it's kind of obviously these early few podcasts for us are a bit of a learning curve as much as yeah, they are hopefully for yourselves. So we'd love to hear from anyone who thinks we've missed anything or would like to signpost us to anything else or suggest or, we include Or anyone who, who thinks we've done a good job as well. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in if anyone wants to go and look up this in more detail, they can go to the First Steps Nutrition Trust the UNICEF baby friendly responsive yeah. feeding resources and the GP information infant feeding network yeah the Institute of Health Visiting do a really good guide on reflux and yeah. obviously there's the nice guidance and we'll have links to these so. things in the blurb about the podcast we sure will take care in the meantime bye <laughs> <laughs>